Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Our little short uh, two-week series, which we started last week, uh, which is called Out of Egypt. And so what this series is about these couple of weeks, it's centred uh, around the story from the second book of the Bible, which is called Exodus. It's from about chapters 3 through to, through to 16. We don't read them all, so don't worry. But it's about uh, the nation of Israel, which at the time was God's people. It's about their exodus from slavery under the Egyptian rule, their journey through the wilderness, and then their eventual possession of what's known as the promised land, um, which was a land that God had spoken to their forefathers about that they, that they were going to possess. Now, as I mentioned last week, not only did this actually happen in history, um, because we believe the Bible as true, but it also serves as a metaphor, as an illustration for our own personal journey of spirituality with God. God's intention is that we're brought out of the things of this world, out of those things that try and uh, keep us captive, the addiction, the unforgiveness, the bitterness, the selfishness, the greed, just to name a few. So God brings us out of those into a promise that he has for us, which is ultimately a life-giving relationship with him through his son, Jesus. And it's then out of that relationship that we understand our identity, that we understand who God has created us to be and the plans that he has for our lives. The Bible sums it up, this great verse, I love it, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 10. It says that we are his workmanship, Oh, sorry, I was thinking of the other version. This is the NLT. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. That's God's plan. He has a plan for each and every single person's life. It's planned to prosper. It's a plan that's good. It's a plan that extends His kingdom on planet Earth. It's a, it's a plan that involves the skills and abilities that God has given you. However, there is an enemy... There is a world system that wants to stop us from fulfilling this call that God has placed on everyone's life. The enemy wants to entice us with compromises so that we stop short of freedom and we settle for less than what God has intended for each and every one of us. And so the, the, the story that we're looking at, this exodus from Egypt, this out of Egypt, uh, in the story, these compromises are put to Moses and Aaron, who are the leaders of Israel at the time, by, by a Pharaoh who doesn't want to leave, let, sorry, the slave nation go free. And so quick recap from last week, because we looked at the first two, and so I'm going to finish off the third and the fourth today. But the first one was that you can worship God, but don't leave Egypt. That was Pharaoh's first compromise to them. That is that you can have a moment of relationship with God, maybe on a Sunday in a service, but it won't affect your whole life. You can do the religious thing. You can tick the box, but the enemy wants to entice you to say that's all you've got. You're not allowed to have a loving, caring relationship with a God who, who wants to be with you. You can be with God some of the time, but you can't leave the system of the world. That was the first compromise that was sown to Moses and Aaron. They rejected it and then Pharaoh tried again. Number two was this, that you can worship God, but you have to stay close to Egypt. So similar to the first, but the second one is all about worshiping God, but you, you can't let that impact your life. Keep the sacred part sacred and keep the secular part 
secular. Prayer, worship, giving, gathering a Sunday, all, all, all fine. But don't let that flow into your uh, social time, into your work life, into your parenting, into your career, into the dreams and aspirations that you have for your life. The compromise is go ahead, live for what you want. You can do whatever you want. And then we'll just place a nice little Jesus cherry on top of the Sunday that we've made for ourselves and we'll all be nice and happy and ice cream eating and that'd be, that'd be amazing. I'll stop talking about ice cream, otherwise we'll all leave and go and do that. But that's the second compromise is that you can, you can worship God they have to stay close to Egypt. You have to stay close to what the world wants to say. And so what we're going to do, like I said, is today we're going to look at the, the final two compromises that Pharaoh tries to entice the nation of Israel with. And so we're going to, we're going to read from Exodus 10 in a second. But Moses and Aaron, just to sort of get you up to speed on the story, they've just gone to Pharaoh once again and said if he doesn't let the people go, there's going to be a plague of locusts that's going to come and devour all the crops in the land. So, so Pharaoh responds with this third compromise. This is Exodus 10, uh, 8 to 11 on the screen behind me. So Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh. All right, he told them, go and worship the Lord your God, but who exactly will be going with you? Moses replied, we will all go, young and old, our sons and daughters, and our flocks and herds. We must all join together in celebrating a festival to the Lord. Pharaoh retorted, the Lord will certainly need to be with you if I let you take your little ones. I can see through your evil plans. Never. Only the men may go and worship the Lord since that is what you requested. And Pharaoh threw them out of the palace. So here's the third compromise that Pharaoh throws to Moses and Aaron, and, and I believe that the world and the enemy throws to us uh, today, is that you can worship God, but don't let it influence others. And it, can't, it can't make a difference to anyone's life. Pharaoh says to Moses, you can go, but only as an individual. Only the men can go. Your worship must be kept to yourself. It can't flow out to impact your family. It can't flow out to impact your friends. It can't flow out to impact others. That same compromise is put to us today by the enemy, by the powers of this age. They say, if you must break with the world, don't let it affect anyone else. You know, keep your faith private. Like that's, that's your truth. And that's nice for you, but that's, that's not my truth. And don't you, don't you dare try and say your truth over my truth. You've just got to keep it to yourself. And many times we get sucked into this lie and believe that what we have can't be shared. Or we believe that no one will listen to us. Or we believe that we can't pray and influence and believe that our family will be changed. That we can't pray and believe that our children will have a life-giving and growing relationship with Jesus, but God has called us to influence others. As part of our mission statement as a church at Elevation, our vision is to multiply healthy local churches. Our vision is a clear picture of a preferred future. We see that out of this place, not only is this church going to be healthy, but it's going to multiply other churches into other areas and regions of Western Australia. That's what we believe that we're called to do as a church. And our mission is how we get that accomplished. And our mission statement as a church is that we create environments that inspire intimacy with Christ, relationships with others and influence in our world. God has called us 
to influence our world. God has called you to influence your workplace, wherever that may be. He's called you to influence your family. He's called you to influence your friendship circle. Wherever God has placed you, it's not by accident. He has placed you there on purpose. You see, at another time and another place, this same threat, this same compromise is presented to Jesus' disciples. In the New Testament, that's the last third of the book, uh, Acts 4, Jesus has risen from the dead. He's ascended to heaven. The Holy Spirit has fallen and filled the disciples with a, a power to witness, with a, with a boldness, with the good news of Jesus. And then what happens in Acts 4 is that two of the disciples, Peter and John, they get hauled before the religious Jewish leaders now of the day who rejected Jesus. I'll read to you from Acts 4, uh, 1 through to 5. It says this, while Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priests the captain of the temple guard and some of the Sadducees. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus, there is a resurrection of the dead. They arrested them and since it was already evening, put them in jail until morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed, so the number of men who believed now totaled about 5,000. What happens next is the next day, these religious leaders, they, they, they haul um, Peter and John in front of them. And once again, they reject this message of Jesus and they command them, they, they, they tell them never to speak or teach the name of Jesus again. So, so Peter and John say, look, basically, we can't do that. Um, the council can't lock them up because they fear a riot from the city because there's been these amazing miracles that happen. And they head back to their fellow believers. They head back to their community. And I'll read you uh, verse 29 to 31. And now, O oh Lord, this is the prayer that as Peter and John get back to the church, that they pray together. They say, and now, O oh Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preach the word of God with boldness. You know, in face, in the face, sorry, of compromise and opposition, these disciples, this church, they ask God for boldness. They say, God, would you fill us with boldness? I remember when I was about uh, 20 years old, I traveled from uh, my hometown, which was Maitland, which is in the Hunter Valley of New South Wales. And we traveled to Brisbane for a, um, for a Planet Shakers conference. And so I was there with, um, I was there with a few friends. And so um, I was really stirred one day by uh, one of the people that preached their message on how they'd impacted their school, how they'd, um, you know, they'd preached at lunchtime, they'd um, had all their friends, you know, come and make decisions for Jesus and come to their youth ministry. And there was this incredible change. And as a, as a 20 year old, I remember reflecting back and thinking, oh, that was not my high school experience. That was not, I, 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 I was a believer in Christ for probably, uh, from year seven till about the end of year nine, I was very, um, that was just my, my mum's faith and sort of went on with it. But at year 10, I went on a youth camp and God really impacted me and my own life. And so the, the rest of the high school was a little bit different, but it wasn't that faith, it wasn't that boldness to make an influence. Anyway, that 
Uh, that was an afternoon session. That night, uh, we were, me and my friends were all really fired up after the meeting. And near where the conference was taking place, there was uh, Mount Gravatt. If you're from uh, Brisbane area, you probably, you probably know that. And so we decided that we'd go up to the top of Mount Gravatt because it had this cool sort of lookout place, bit of a, you know, like a donut on top with the, all the cars could park around. And we were going we to go up there and we are going to pray because we are like, God, we want you to move in our lives. And I remember as we are driving up there, sort of halfway up the, halfway up the mountain, I, I remember hearing that still small voice of the Holy Spirit just sort of prompt me and say, you're gonna preach up here. I was like, oh, that's strange. Okay, let's just, let's just keep going. So we went up there, uh, there were a few friends and uh, we sort of went off the side and, and, we, and we prayed for a bit, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes, half an hour. And then we came back to go to the car and I remember saying to my friends, I said, ah, oh, I think God wants me to preach here. And so I got up into the middle of this like grass donut bit. There was a big rock and stood on it. There was, there was a few people around. There was a, a rough looking guy like off, off to the right and some other people anyway. So I got up and, and I still remember what I preached. I have no idea where it came from. Uh, but I got up and just sort of shouted as, as loud as I could. I'm like, hey, I'm like, there's, they tell you that there's two sure things in life. There's death and taxes. But I want to tell you there's three sure things in life. There's death. There's taxes and there's Jesus. And then these people sort of start, start to, like turning around like, what, what are you doing? And I keep going, I really don't know what else I, what else I said, but this um, older sort of rough looking gentleman um, starts to hurl abuse at me. He's like, what are you talking about? And he's yelling and he's, he's swearing I'm going for it. And the buffest looking guy in our group is sort of like standing in front of me so he doesn't, so he doesn't come over. I remember as he started to shout, uh, there were these other guys over there, these other like, uh, big tank like Islander boys with their um, souped up like Nissan Skylines and Toyota Supras and um, they had their neons around the outside and stuff and they start shouting at him they're like hey bro no I won't do that that's terrible but they're like they're like hey shut up like let him let him go and so going going on this is all going nuts probably lasts for about five minutes and I sort of finish would say, you know, if you want to find out more, come to this conference. And this is the, this is the, I still remember the address, how crazy, 322 Wecker Road, uh, Brisbane, like come, come. And then after I said that, I was like, oh, will we go and there'll be like bricks through the window like the next day and, and stuff like that. And so, so this, this, this thing happened. Now, I would love to tell you that the next night, all these people came to the front and they gave their hearts to Christ and like now they've started an orphanage in Cambodia and one's planted a church and one's, but no, 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 none of that. I have no idea. I have no idea what happened. No idea what happened, but I know what it did for me. I know that it broke me out of fear. I know that it probably came out of a prayer of God, I didn't really stand up for you in my school and I didn't get that chance again, but I wish I could, and I feel like this was just the Holy Spirit saying, okay, here's your chance. If you're obedient to me, if you'll hear and listen to my voice, if you'll step out of faith, if you'll step out of the compromise that what you believe is only for you and not for, not for everyone else, then, then I'll give you an opportunity. And, and I believe this morning here that God, by His Holy Spirit, He wants to fill you with a new confidence, a new boldness to, to worship Him, to follow Jesus, not just for ourselves, but believing that you have a call to influence others. Now, before you start freaking out and think that it's all about preaching, it, it, it probably may not be. You know what? Boldness may be quiet. Boldness 
maybe behind the scenes. Your story may never be told publicly. Bold may not even use words. We all know that actions speak so much louder than, than empty words from people. So I, I don't know what the bold step is for you, but it may be different to mine. That was mine for then. I, no, actually there was one other time in a shopping center. But anyway, there hasn't been any other times besides those two when that's happened, but there's been multiple times where it's been behind the scenes, it's been a step of boldness that no one has ever seen, that probably no one will ever know, and maybe that's for you. But maybe for you, maybe bold is out front. Maybe that's what God's calling you to. Maybe it is for many people to see. However, I've always found that true boldness is founded in God. It's always others focused, and not self-focused. And like I said, it's an obedience to what God is saying. And so my question around this for you is, what, what's God saying to you this morning? This week in your workplace, how is God calling you to be bold? It may be out in front of everyone, it may be behind the scenes. It may be with a group, it may be with a large group, it may be with an individual. But in your world, in your workplace, in your family life, in what you do this week, how is God calling you to be bold for your faith. High schoolers, what about in your school with your peer group, your sporting club? How is God calling you to be bold? To be bold with your friends that may not believe the same thing that you do about Christ. Like I said, it may not be right up in front of everyone, but we have this enemy, we have a system of the world they want to, that wants to give in to the compromise of worshiping God, but only for ourselves. However, God calls us to obedient, boldness for Him. So the third, com the third compromise was that you can worship God, but only you can worship God, but don't let it influence others. And the fourth one is this. I'm going to read Exodus 10, 24 to 26. Finally, Pharaoh called for Moses. Go and worship the Lord, he said, but leave your flocks and herds here. You may even take your little ones with you. No, Moses said, you must provide us with animals for sacrifices and burn offerings to the Lord our God. All our livestock must go with us too. Not a hoof can be left behind. We must choose our sacrifices for the Lord our God from among these animals and we don't know how we are to worship the Lord until we get there. So the fourth, fourth compromise that Pharaoh tries to sow to the Israelites is this, is you can worship God, but your resources stay in Egypt. Pharaoh's last ditched attempt to stop Moses and Aaron from leading God's people out of Egypt, out of slavery and into freedom was to appeal to greed. You can leave to worship God, but your possessions are gonna stay in Egypt. They're gonna stay in the world system. Don't think you can live free of that. But this compromise, it was, in, um, it was in direct opposition to the Word of God that we spoke about last week, that, that God spoke to Moses about from the burning bush. Uh, I'll, I'll read it again, Exodus 3, 21 to 22. This is going back when God first spoke to Moses about what He was gonna do. It says this, And I will cause the Egyptians to look favourably on you. They will give you gifts when you go, so you will not leave empty-handed. Every Israelite woman will ask for articles of silver and gold and fine clothing from her Egyptian neighbours and from the foreign women in their houses. You will dress your sons and daughters with these, stripping the Egyptians of their wealth. You see, God's promise was that their provision would not be tied back 
to Egypt. Now, before you get worried and think that I'm going to preach prosperity gospel and if you give your heart to Christ, you're going to be healthy, wealthy and wise and you can by faith call in a Maserati and it's just going to turn up and all that, all that sort of junk. I'm, I'm not going to do that. But there's something, one of the main reasons that Moses says no to this compromise was because the point of bringing out the herds and the flocks that we read before was that they would, they would be part of the sacrifice made to worship God. That, that, that was part of it. Does God want us to come out of bondage and freedom, uh, sorry, out of bondage to freedom when it comes to us financially? Yes, but He wants to do it because we want to sacrifice and we want to worship God. And so here's my challenge for you today on this is when was the last time you sacrificed some form of material wealth to worship God and build His kingdom? When was, when was the last time? We talked about this in our uh, life group thing when we spoke about simplicity. Uh, for a couple of weeks, we, we talked about that everything that we have ultimately comes from God. It's sustained by God and then it's available to God. God, everything I have, it comes from you it's sustained by you. You look after it. You look after me. But also, I want to make sure that what I have is available for you to use. So is your stuff, your money, your possessions, your resources available to God? Or have you fallen for the compromise and left it back in Egypt with Pharaoh? Is it, is it back in the world system? Is it back with God, God hands off. I'm coming out of Egypt. I'm worshiping you. Uh, I'm sacrificing my life for you, God. I'm following you, but, but my stuff, my resources, that's just staying back in the, in the world system there because I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit afraid. You know, Jesus presents the same challenge to the rich young ruler in Matthew 19. I'll read it for you. Um, someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There is only one who is good, but to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones, the man asked. And Jesus replied, you must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, honour your father and mother, love your neighbour as yourself. I've obeyed all these commandments, the young man replied. What else must I do? Verse 21, Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect... Go and sell all of your possessions and give the money to the poor. And I will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. You see, it's interesting that Moses wouldn't leave Egypt without the resources because he knew what God had spoken to him. And so he trusted that God would set them free with all the possessions and more because God was greater than Egypt. He was greater than the world system. The young man that spoke to Jesus, he wouldn't leave his possessions behind. Give, to the, give them to the poor was the word that Jesus gave him. He wanted to take them on the journey with Jesus. And so as we maybe compare Moses to the rich young ruler, what on the surface may look like completely opposite actions, they actually have the same underlying principle. Will we trust God or will we trust the world? 
The rich young ruler wouldn't leave what he had and give it away to the poor. Why? Because he trusted in those resources. Whereas Moses said, I'm not leaving without the resources because I don't trust in Egypt. I trust in God. And that's where God wants us to move towards is that we would say no to relying on the world, no to relying on the enemy and that you can have all this stuff, uh, sorry, you can have this life with Christ, but all your stuff must stay back in the world system. No, God has called us free of that because the compromise that tries to ensnare us is still, is, sorry, is will we place our trust back in the world instead of in God and in His plan for our lives. And so this morning, maybe just as the worship team uh, comes up, because we're going to worship again in a, couple of, in a couple of moments, but the challenge this morning is, do we, do we trust God or do we trust the world system? The compromises that the world puts to us about the compromise of you can, you know, worship God, but it can't influence anyone else. Just keep it to yourself. Just keep it private. There's nothing you can do to, you know, impact people to make a, to make a difference. That's compromise one. That's a lie of the enemy. God has called you to influence others. Will it look the same for every single person? Of course not, because God has created us different. God has placed us in different scenarios in different places. He's given us different skills and abilities. There's something different about each and every one of us. And so the way that we outwork that call of God will be unique for each and every individual. But let's not fall for that compromise that we can't influence others. And let's not fall for the compromise that says yes to following Jesus, but leaving our stuff back in Egypt, leaving it attached to the world, leaving it, that's just my safety blanket back there. Now, am I talking about selling everything you own, giving it, and then just saying, God, you're gonna provide? No, no, there's wisdom that comes with it. But fundamentally, do we, do we trust God? That's part of the power of the tithe. The tithe, says I'm placing my 10% to God first. That's where I place my trust. And I'm saying no to the system of the world and yes to God. I'm still gonna be diligent and a good steward of the, of the 90, but I'm gonna put God first when it comes to my resources. And so as we come to a close this morning, we've talked about trust a lot. It's, it's so important. It's so important. And we're gonna give an opportunity for each and every person here. Maybe you've never made a decision for Christ to place your trust in Him. What, what, what do I mean by that? Well, it's a start of a journey that says, I'm gonna to start to listen to your words, to your instructions for my life, God. I'm gonna trust them. I'm gonna do my best to follow you. I'm gonna open my heart up to what you have for my life because I know that is something greater for me. And so this morning, just as we take a moment of privacy as everyone bows their heads and closes their eyes,